Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 76, Wembley Woes. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, podcast that doesn't like losing on penalties for the second Carabao Cup final in a row. I'm joined by Jack Davies. Stupid question, Jack. So I'm not going to ask how you're doing. Um, but it's nice to have you back on, mate. It's been a while. Yeah, good to be back, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. exactly. Not, not much, too much to say. We'll start there. Right. Obviously, there is, you know, before we get on to the pain of Sunday, uh, there was a game that we've also got to cover beforehand, which was Lille, the first leg of the Champions League that was played last Tuesday, so over a week ago now from, from when you are listening to this. Chelsea won 2-0. Um, it was probably one of the best performances we put in for a while. As a result of winning 2-0, Chelsea became the first English team in either the Champions League or European Cup to win five home games in a row without conceding a goal. Obviously, that stat is uh, the Porto game last year doesn't count because those ties were played on a neutral ground. Um, so that's why anyone went there. As a result of that, Eddie Mendy has now kept 14 clean sheets in his 18 Champions League appearances for the Blues. So, again, another remarkable stat. And N'Golo Kante was named UEFA Man of a Match. So that means he's now win Chelsea's Man of a Match last four Champions League knockout stage matches. He's certainly a big game player and he loves the Champions League. Uh, as I said, yeah, going back to Mendy, 78% clean sheet ratio and the most, the best of player with five starts in the competition. One of the better players on that night was Thiago Silva, the 37-year-old centre-back, one possession 12 times against Lille, the most he's ever done so in a Champions League match. He was just an absolute rock at the back. And obviously Chelsea's goal scorers were Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic. Kai starting up top, Romelu Lukaku was dropped after his seven touches against Crystal Palace. Kai led the line, he was pretty damn good. Christian Pulisic had his best game of the season, I felt probably his best Chelsea game, probably since that Real Madrid first leg last season. He was just absolutely brilliant. Got his deserved goal as Wade Kante just went up a level in that second half. Brilliant assist, you know, running from his own half to lay it off to Pusic. And Chelsea won 2 0 in a game that in the end turned out to be pretty, pretty, pretty comfortable. And we took a giant step 
towards going to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Jack, uh, before we move on, anything to sort of add to on the Lille game? No, I think you summed up pretty well, mate. Uh, Havertz before stand out as well. It's good to see him leading the line. I think we looked looked fluid with those three up front. And like you said, that's probably the most I've enjoyed watching us in uh, in a long time, to be honest. So yeah, it was a great result, and you'd like to think that's us almost into the into the quarterfinals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Obviously, no away goal, so you know that 2-0 deficit perhaps isn't quite as valuable as it would have been in previous years, but it's still a very strong position to be in, right? So I guess we now move forward to the pain that was Sunday. It was the Carabao Cup final, but Jack, there were also a lot of positives to take from Sunday because that was a really good Chelsea performance. And one player I think we've got to talk about is Edu Mendy. He was phenomenal in goal. He is the reason that game, we, that game went to extra time because he made some absolutely unbelievable saves, double saves, saves from corners, he was under, I mean, I'd go as far as that was probably one of his best Chelsea games in a Chelsea shirt because I also think that's probably the most busy he's been in a Chelsea shirt for a while. Yeah. Aside from one, you know, horrendous clearance that led to you know, <laughs> a Liverpool chance, aside from one horrendous clearance from him that led to a Liverpool chance, he was phenomenal, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think you maybe you'd say with a double save, he, he'd probably be slightly disappointed not to palm out slightly further so it doesn't get to Mane, but... That's that second save from that one. I think I saw some video and on Scott that Sky posted just saying the reaction time was like not point one second or something ridiculous like that. Reaction time for that second uh, rebound that was viewing that from the lower tier behind the goal. It's it just one of those you almost want to look away because you just can see it's a certain goal and. I think everyone was pretty stunned to see it go over the bar, but we shouldn't be because we've seen that man pull out performances like that a few times this season. I think I think I agree with you. Definitely one of his best performances. I think obviously the other one that would stand out would be Brentford when he was just getting the goal absolutely peppered, uh, especially in the second half in that game. But yeah, yes, uh, on Sunday, yeah, top quality performance from from the man and just shows why why he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. Yep, and again, you know, I think in general, the common thing we're going to talk about this is the defence from Sunday. Um, Thiago Silva, again, he was brilliant midweek. He was, again, brilliant, you know, against Liverpool. And again, in goal line clearance, you know, we kind of, we worried, you know, he, he pulled up very early on in the game. We thought, oh, oh, oh no, is it going to be a repeat? Yeah. Is he going to have to go off injured? Um, and we didn't have Christians on the bench. So I was thinking, oh God, is it Sar or something like that coming on? But <laughs> no, he carried on. And look, Jack, again, you know, we, we kind of run out of superlatives to describe Thiago Silva. But again, just um, absolute monster performance back. And again, it, a general consensus, we're going to as a player who did not deserve to be on the losing side on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you summed up perfectly with that with that um, recovery run. That was the one time Mendy made made the mistake and Salah was through. But you were like rely on your thirty seven year old to turn back and uh, get the kickers on and and get back and clear it off the line. Um, yeah, we've spoken so many times about Thiago Silva, the level of class he's got. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we really need to go into too much more detail. Everyone that's listening to this knows how good that man is. And I think we just all wish that he'd come when he was 26, 27 and in those prime years, because him and JT at the back would have been some monstrous defence there. 
Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Tiago Silva was immense, and he also calmly slid his penalty away in the shootout. Um, Jack, and that. And a big one for me was Trevor Chalabar. Obviously, you know, Christensen yeah. was ruled out late in that game, and I think that was Trev's first appearance for a very long time. You know, his first start for a long time. And while he had a few ropey moments, he got beaten a couple of times. You know, in terms of you know rising to the occasion, he was pretty damn good as well. I thought on Sunday, overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I wouldn't say I was like. I wouldn't go as far as say I was worried, but it was one of those where when I saw the team sheet and saw him on it, um, I just thought based on the fact that he hasn't played played a lot of football in, in quite some time through injuries, etc. I thought, oh, oh God, here we go, especially against the likes of Salah, Mane and, and that Diaz. You can tell he's a quality player as well. So, yeah, when you when you come up against those three all top, top, top quality players and you're, you're keeping a clean sheet. You know you're doing something right. And it was his, it's his uh, interception and and his run that where he drives with the ball and then passes the ball through to Romelu that actually should have won us that 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 uh, trophy. When you see the uh, replays and clearly Rom, Rom's on the side if VAR actually decides to draw the lines from his shoulder and, and not his elbow. So he could have had uh, uh, assist for a match for a match winning goal. So yeah, I think brilliant. And also like like you said with Thiago Silva, Trevor calmly slotted his pen as well in a, a yeah moment where where you feel a lot of pressure, especially taking taking the tenth penalty. Definitely, clearly didn't want to take one. So fair play to Trevor for that as well. Yeah, no, he's brilliant. And again, another player I think deserves a lot of credit, Mark Alonso. He, yeah. Mo Salah was pretty anonymous. You know, he got, as I say, he got clear one time to have that chip. Um, but in general, you know, he was, you know, pretty anonymous and not anonymous. And that was due to the brilliance of Mark Alonso, who, you know, again, big test for him, you know, going up against a, a top, in top tap. But, you know, again, he did not really put a foot wrong at all, did he? No, yeah. One of his best games I've seen him play in a long time, that's for sure. No, we, uh, when you miss someone like Chilwell, you, and the like athleticism he has compared to Alonso, we always, uh, yeah, always discuss it and just think what you don't have when when you're playing Alonso instead of Chilwell. But he was he was brilliant the other day, and like I said, one of his best performances in a long, long time. Yeah, and again, it's kind of a general consensus with this Chelsea team cover. Their level of performances just goes up in general. It was Rene again? We talk, you know, in our plays. Forms kind of, I mean, Rudiger was superb as always, aside from, you know, give, nearly giving me a hard attack. We haven't tried to play out from the back and then losing the ball and giving it away before, thankfully, recovering and blocking uh, a shot. But another <laughs> player was Kai Havertz. Again, you know, he's link up player. Again, we obviously started without Rom, but he was, you know, he was good. He, he linked up play. Obviously, you know, unfortunately, two goals disallowed for offside. Yeah. Those ones were clearly offside. Again, Chelsea learned the offside rule. We had six offsides in that game, so Liverpool's <laughs> one. You know, it was painful stuff. Uh, mm. But, you know, again, Jack, you know, Kai Havertz, again, a big game player. He is, you know, Champions League yeah. final goal, Club World Cup final goal. He was brilliant again against Liverpool. And again, I guess just a sign of Kai, but we know, of course, he's there. Now just to hopefully see on a more consistent basis and more importantly, in the Premier League. Exactly. That's 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 what we're screaming out for now. He can do it in the, in the big games. I think I saw something like he's the first player to create five chances in a league cup final since David Silva so that's something in good company there with him um but yeah no he he was quality the other day and like we said he just needs to 
kickstart in the Prem and really kick on because we felt after that Champions League final where he scored the winning goal, that was the moment where he would really kick on and it hasn't quite happened this season. But I think every Chelsea fan will say they can see what a player we've got there and it's certainly one that we can't be we can't be uh, letting go like we did in the past with people like De Bruyne, Lukaku, Salah, etc. So uh, we just got to have a little bit of patience with this man, but but the, there's uh, some player in him. Yeah, no, exactly. Kovacic, again, phenomenal. Again, it's kind of clear to me he is the first choice name in that midfield. And again, James McCree, Rom came off the bench and he had a really good mm-hmm. impact. That was probably the best we've seen of Rom. Right, he put himself he about, obviously, you know, he had the goal disallowed by VAR by the barest, barest of margins. <laughs> And, you know, obviously also nearly scored at the end as well. And nice little sort of flick towards goal, but Keller saved all his legs. He was good and obviously came on and calmly, you know, slotted away his penalty as well. Rom, you know, for all the, the talk about him, about him, you know, questioning his attitude, etc. you know, that's to me, and I saw a player, and again, I don't feel so too. He was, again, one of those players really hyping the crowd up, you know, trying to get them, mm. them going on Sunday. It kind of showed to me, you know, Rom really does, you know, he still cares. Okay, I think, yeah. you know, I think that was not necessarily news to everyone because I think people kind of knew that, yeah, he still want, he does want to make it a success here. He he did, you know, he spoke poorly, but he's now got to rectify it. And obviously he didn't, wasn't quite able to do it Sunday. And, you know, unfortunately, VAR has basically ruined Rom of a, a really big moment of redemption with Chelsea fans. But in general, just Rom's performance was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's what, what, we, we, what we've been crying out to see from him, the hold-up play, bringing players into, into the action and... Yeah, bursting through of that chance, cutting back on his left foot and slamming it in the goal, and good save from Keller. Keller with the uh, the little flick, things like that. That's what that's what we bought the man for for ninety seven million quid or whatever it was. So just yeah, just need to see more of it going in going into the prem, and yeah, just gutting for him really. That's 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 the uh, overriding feelings I have on it because, like you just said, Nick. That really could have been a moment that that really could have changed his Chelsea career, given him that massive boost of confidence, which strikers feed off and could have then gone on a big, big scoring run. But we just got to take the positives from that game and and just kick on himself. So, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I said there were a lot of positives to take from that game, but we didn't win that game. And there is also mm. a big reason why we didn't win that game, which is why, well, unfortunately, we have to talk about some of the negatives. Missed chances, Jack. Missed chances. And unfortunately, yeah. one of the biggest culprits, Mason Mount. We adore the boy. We sung his praises for ages. We know his quality. But two guilt-edged chances, that second one in particular, inexcusable to miss, really. And they say that's the difference between winning and losing the Carabao Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh I mean, I missed the second one. I was still finishing half-time bind, so <laughs> missed that one. Came in and was told by a person next to us about that one. But, um, yeah, first one as well. He's a man of that quality. He's got to be burying it. But, like we said, we, we, we've we seen it quite a lot of times in uh, in recent times in this season, but also over <laughs> over a long period of time where we as Chelsea just... Don't take our chances. Don't kill teams off, even when we're winning games, and and we just uh, come back to regret it. That Pulisic chance as well was a massive chance. Um, yeah, it just yeah, it's chances we should score, but you, you can't batter the boys too much. It, it happens at the end of the day, and we just got to dust ourselves down. We're still in 
in the FA Cup, uh, still in the Champions League. We've got two trophies to play for. Uh, and we've already already won two this season, so could be could be four trophies this season. So we just got to keep going. Yeah, no, exactly. I said there's a lot of frustration afterwards, and I think when you play a final and you like it does come to a head, it kind of just that you know it's a final. You really can't miss those chances. But I said those us missing those gill edge chances isn't anything new. It's not even a this season problem. It's a, a season for mm-hmm. for many many years of Chelsea just missing glorious. Glorious chances. And yeah, unfortunately, it was not Mason Mount's day. You know, it, it's one of those things he's, you know, he's a young player. He'll be back. But unfortunately, his Wembley record is genuinely abysmal. I feel sorry for the lad. That mm. stadium has caused him nothing but pain. He's lost <laughs> He's lost a playoff final with Derby. He's lost three FA. He's lost two <laughs> FA Cup finals with us. He's lost a League Cup final. And he's lost a Euros finalist World of England. So genuinely, yeah. one day Mason Mount will be, one day we'll see Mason Mount smiling at Wembley, hopefully, because I really want to see that boy, boy that smiling at Wembley because, geez, he, he does not, he does not have a good time there but yeah no it was unfortunately you say missed chances it cost you you know Liverpool missed some Gilway's chances as well as we said that mark that's double save from Mendy earlier but you know when Chelsea ride their luck as we do a bit you've really got to got to take your chances and yeah unfortunately you know those two Mason chances were were brilliant were you know brilliant opportunities we didn't take as well Pusic is one early doors as well and yeah it was it was a really really frustrating one I guess another slight you know not negative was N'Golo Kante again it kind of feels like with Kante the little sort of game aside he's been pretty hit and miss for mm. for a while now because he was decent at points but again yesterday he just uh, not yesterday on Sunday there didn't seem much composure when he was on the ball he, a lot of the time I just get through it he just get ball and he just sort of hoof it forward mm. without really looking for a run or or looking for someone and you just give him the ball back and inviting that pressure on and in general I think it was it was a tough one in general for Chelsea tactically because I think the midfield two did struggle at points with Liverpool, you know, yeah. getting outnumbered. But then at the same time, us playing the midfield two allowed us to be that bit more effective on the counter and the transition and led to us actually getting some of the chances we did. So it was kind of a, a trade-off we had to make. But unfortunately, N'Golo Kante, for as much as we love him, and I've sort of praised him for his brilliance against Lille earlier, wasn't, you know, the N'Golo Kante, you know, we love and we love to see, was it? No, no. Um, yeah. Like you said, hit been very hit and miss this season. It's a difficult one. It, as much as you love him, it's probably one of those that you look at. And in the summer, if you've got people like Conor Gallagher that might come back, you think it could it could potentially be a time for a Jorginho or a Kante to go. Um, just based on on the pure fact that they're at an age where you where Chelsea can still recoup a, a decent transfer fee for them. Um, and they've both been been at the club for a fair amount of time, so we'll have to see. But I'd still say, yeah, Kante didn't have a great game the other day and has been a bit hit and miss this season. But he's still he's still the guy that that you need and you want in your team. If if you're playing these big teams, you want N'Golo Kante to play. So um, it's just one of them. I think had an off day like like a Mason, etc. So. Again, he's just got to got to go again and 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 uh, yeah, put it behind him because we we know all of the qualities that that man's got and he's the best in the world of it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Kante's time will certainly come again. He said, as mentioned, he got a man of match midweek against Lille, you know. So you know he's still mm-hmm. a top top player. But as I said, you know, obviously there's something we've not quite addressed yet. And we'll get onto it with questions. Was the substitution of Eddie Mendy for Kepa? Obviously, you know, we had sub left in extra time. The last couple of minutes, Thomas Tuchel brought on Kepa for Edu Mendy 
And unfortunately, that gamble didn't quite pay off. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate one. Um, but look, before we get into questions, and I will start with Dean's question because I was the first one on it. Keppel was substituted on, you know, he didn't save a single shot from the 11 attempts that he faced and then he missed himself. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. But again, looking at the stats, Chelsea have successfully bought on Kepa before in a shootout. Look at the Super Cup. Yeah. He'd also saved that one us two penalty shootouts getting to this stage of the competition, you know, in, against Aston Villa and Southampton. He'd had previous penalty shootout success with us, you know, in the Europa League against Frankfurt. Again, in the Carabao Cup scene final a few years ago against Spurs as well. And in general, Kepa's, you know, takers before the final, Taker scores 71% when Kepa's in goal compared to 94% when Mendy is in goal. Again, you just look at it, looking at the stats, you know, you, in sport, you go for these sort of marginal gains, etc. You kind of, you know, it made sense. I don't know how you felt, Jeff, at the time I was, you know, that was the sub I've been thinking of, as long as stayed nil-nil, keep one in back, one in mind. So we can bring Kepron. It was in my mind when the Club World Cup final was going on as well, you know, before we got that very late penalty as well. So, you know, you just thought, firstly, just the correct decision to bring Kepron, just unfortunately the execution just didn't pay off. Yeah, I, I agree, to be honest. You've said the stats there and the stats are facts at the end of the day. Um, it's Yeah, the stats just prove that Kepa is better at saving penalties than Edouard Mendy. So I don't blame uh, Thomas and his... Uh, and his coaching staff for deciding to bring on Kepa. It, it's a move, like you said, that has worked for us in the past. Um, I think it works, well, it has worked massively with um, the psychological aspect of the players taking penalties. Obviously, didn't on, didn't on Sunday with uh, all 11 being converted past him, but on the whole, it has worked in the past. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't have an argument, really. You, you could say based on the game and how well Mendy was playing, yeah, potentially he could have gone and 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 made made some crucial saves to back up the performance that he made over the 120 minutes and go and win us that cup. But it's all if but if buts and maybes at the end of the day. Thomas Tuchel brings him on in the 119th minute and we win on pens. Everyone's saying, Oh, he's done it again. What what a masterful uh, stroke, what a what a tactician, all of this. Uh, and then, yeah, if it backfires, you just have to be prepared for for the backlash that you're going to get from it. Um, it was just, yeah, just unfortunate for Kepa that uh, that yeah, it just got all the way all the way to him, and and unfortunate that he couldn't convert the pen. Um, but like you alluded to as well, he saved us uh, or saved pens in in two shootouts in this competition and got us to that cup final. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 not nice when you see a lot of fans are absolutely battering him online. So, yeah, yeah, no, and also looks one thing: Tuchel's down if he does, down if he doesn't. Because again, mm-hmm. if he keeps Mendy on and we lose the shootout, everyone's saying why didn't he bring Kepron? When you know mm-hmm. the stats back up that he's the penalty taker. And look, again, also we have to give some credit to as well how good those penalties were, because I said you know when shootouts go far, every single shot from five on is a muscle to keep the team alive. And research suggests that only about 60% of these shots are scored. Chelsea scored six of these before Kepa's miss. So, again, you want, you know, time talk, you know, positive. Those penalties were also good because, again, Keller didn't save one. And neither yeah. keeper, neither keeper really got close and said the penalties were also taken in the Liverpool end, but kind of allowed, you know, the Liverpool players to celebrate in front of their end, you know, hype their crowd up as well. Chelsea fans can't really, Chelsea players can't really do anything. That, again, kind of plays a small part. And look, yeah. both keepers, look, both keepers, you know, didn't you know go the right way many times you know they both made the 
sort of a correct decision, you know, three times it is in going right way, three times each. Um, eight times they move too early and five times they still simply sort of, yeah, get strong. So it kind of just shows it. And yeah, it was it was a tough one. And look, on Kepper is interesting, actually. Kepper's shot, i.e. his penalty, was the fastest taken of all the players. 0.4 second reaction time to the ref whistle. The average for 22 players was 2.6 seconds. So again, it kind of shows that this is a situation Kepper's not been involved in in the past. Mm. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He just wants to get it over and done with. It's kind of understandable, you know, and at that point it is just pure like what happened. So unfortunately it just it just wasn't Kepper's it wasn't Kepper's night. But yeah, it is it is what it is. And that we'll go on to questions now. And Dean Mears' question was, do you think Tuchel's decision not to start Kepper in either final affected his confidence? Didn't seem the same player either attempting to save or score a penalty. Because I mean, Jack, it is it's a tough one because we're trying to sort of gauge, I guess. We're kind of, I guess, forming or trying to come to an opinion on, on Kepper and how he was kind of feeling based on you know, that that shootout, i.e. that he wasn't successful, but he was still, you know, trying to sort of, you know, delay tactics, etc. kind of, you know, yeah. point where he won. And he literally said, Van Dyke, here you go, school there, please. <laughs> and unfortunately, Van Dyke said, OK, mate, I will only blast you past him. <laughs> but it was, it was one, do you think, you know, it affected his confidence or is it just simply one of those where, look, Liverpool also, they had like so many penalty takers, like so many good penalty takers, whereas you're looking at us and you're thinking, Crikey, Timo's got to take one. Yeah. Shalaba's got to take one. I'm not too sure about this. And you looked at Liverpool and I think Jota didn't even take in their first five. They had Robertson to take later on. Like they had, it also just felt that Liverpool ultimately just had a lot more, you know, more comfortable penalty takers. Obviously, it, you know, it just went to the keepers in the end. But did you think it affected, you know, the decision not to start Kepa, who'd started every round of his competition? Do you think that affected his confidence or is it just, yeah, not, not really? Um, it's a difficult one. I think before the game, he would have been disappointed and I don't blame him at all because like I said earlier, he he played a huge part in us getting to that final and in my opinion probably probably did deserve to start based based on that fact. I obviously believe Mendy is a better goalkeeper, but if you go and buy the uh the like cup teams that managers have done in the past, then yeah, you'd say he probably did deserve to start. But at the end of the day, if you want to go and win the trophy you you've got to start start your best goalkeeper so at the same time I can see why Tuchel decided to opt for Mendy um I don't really think when 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 he subbed on in that moment I don't think his confidence would have been low at all he knows he's won penalty shootouts for us before and a lot in the recent past so I don't think his confidence when he was brought on would have been would have been dented, to be honest. He would have been coming on all guns blazing, firing, like you said, with the delay tactics, things like that, where he gets into people's heads. And look, it just wasn't meant to be at the end of the day. Um, it's just one of those, unfortunately. Um, I think going back to the Club World Cup, though, I thought that was one where I've, I've personally felt quite bad for him not starting that final, just based on the fact that Mendy literally landed and got with the team less than 24 hours before that final. So that was one that, um, yeah, I was a little bit more baffled with. But at the same time, Mendy just come off from from winning the Africa Cup of Nations. So you can see why Tuchel's done it again. So, yeah, it's difficult for him not to start those games. But at the end of the day, I don't think it would have affected him too much especially when he's coming on and knows he's, he's won us penalty shootouts in the past. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I think he said 
also I'll be brutally honest as someone who kind of loves a good narrative like with Kepa coming on literally in my head I was thinking this is redemption for 2019 and (laughs) when Jorginho is stepping up and he scored part of my head because obviously Jorginho missed in 2019 as well part of me is thinking like this is just going to be our day like it it was horrible to watch because those penalties went on and on and we were always like living on the edge you just felt one of those things like it was just going to be I just thought it was going to be our day because I thought Kepa it literally had gone full circle from refusing to be subbed off in 2019 to coming on to try and save us in the shootout. And look, the only thing I will say is it probably did put a bit more pressure on him. The fact that I think in shootouts in general, keepers probably aren't under too much pressure. But yeah. when you're subbed on specifically for one, it probably mm-hmm. does raise the pressure a little bit on him, you know, given that he was born specifically for that. So maybe, but at the same time, you know, he, he saved us for Super Cup. And also I just think ultimately, I mean, Chelsea had a, like a horrendous, when I was growing up, Chelsea like lost on penalties all the time. <laughs> Like we like lot, you know, there's some big notable ones that we don't need to go into. And in general, it's felt in recent years we've actually had a pretty good record with with penalty shootouts in the whole. You know, I think the only two that I can remember us losing were the Liverpool Super Cup, and then you know the Liverpool Carabao Cup. Yeah, sorry, three. But then we've also, you know, I can think of being Norwich in the FA Cup, Frankfurt in the Europa League, Spurs in the League Cup. Uh, you know, two shootouts this year in the Carabao Cup, um, Super Cup final, etc. So in general, our penalty shootout luck has been quite good. So I guess ultimately as well, you just got to have one of those days where unfortunately it doesn't go your way. But no, I don't think the decision not to start him affected his confidence. So ultimately, Mendy, you know, fully vindicated Tuchel's decision to to start him because Mendy was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. He said earlier, had one of his best games. It just unfortunately, it's just one of those things that, you know, in the end, we just couldn't quite get the job done. Uh, next question comes in from Shyam. Do you think this loss can serve as motivation for the competitions that we're still alive in? FA Cup and Champions League, with the FA Cup being a realistic opportunity for two to add and add more silverware to the season because Jack ultimately those you know the league is gone we knew that was gone yeah. the FA Cup you know we're at Luton tomorrow this will be out you know on the day of Luton um, and the Champions League we're in a good position to get to in the quarterfinals obviously then it just depends who you get in the draw but you know do you think this can sort of be you know a sort of galvanised moment because I kind of said you know when I was off the win of Club Cup I kind of asked can this be a moment yeah be a moment to kind of galvanise us and kick on for the rest of the season. We kind of said, yeah, it can be. But also I think equally a defeat like this, losing in the manner we did, playing as well as we did, could mm. also just sort of bring that group together. Because again, all of them are full-time, all round Kepa, all supporting him. It seemed, you know, again, just a really, really collective, strong, unified front. So do you think it can, you know, give us a motivation to go far in the FA Cup and Champions League? Because ultimately a lot of those boys are going to be thinking like, I want to go back to Wembley and, you know, right some of these wrongs. Because again, we saw yeah, exactly. last year lose the FA Cup final. They yeah. made, they got it right in the Champions League final. That was the exact point I was going to use. Yeah, just you've got to use those those losses as as lessons and and use it to to get that fire back in your stomach to to go again. And and one and someday will you someday will be your day. Someday won't. Some days won't be your day. So yeah, we just got to use it as uh, as the lesson and and just keep going. For sure, we'll that will yeah. It will. I think it will. It will help. Like FA Cup did last year. The boys knew how disappointed were they were after that game, and they wanted to go and correct it in that Champions League final. And that's arguably the. If you're looking at it like that, it's, it's the uh, the bigger trophy, isn't it? FA Cup's bigger than the League Cup. We all know what the Champions League is. So if we can go deep into those competitions with our team in knockout games, we'll certainly back us to to do well and, and have a chance at winning those trophies. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Next question comes in from Tom Cuddy. 
how do you improve finishing? It can't be as simple as training because you can't replicate the pressure situation. Is it just a case of being patient in the short term? So how long do we accept that before more genuine questions are asked? Because Jack is getting kind of into it. This has been a tale of our season. You know, again, it kind of feels like, as I said earlier, Thiago Silva, Ed Mendy, they did not deserve to be on the losing side, but they were because we mm. couldn't put our chances away. How do we kind of go about and prove that situation? Do we just ultimately have to be patient because we kind of, you know, whatever we feel about this, you know, whatever thing that seems Mason Mount is 23. Okay, he's not 19 anymore. He needs to be putting those chances away. We know he needs to be putting those chances away. But Kai is young as well. Pulisic is young. You know, is there kind of a sense for ultimate? We are just going to have to be, you know, try and be be patient because um because yeah, these still these things are still gonna still gonna happen because it's a young team. Or are we also kind of, you know, almost past that a bit now? It, yeah, I, I guess if you're looking at it with the the age factor and things like that, you, you're ultimately going to have to be patient for those boys to start really kicking on. But at the same time, in my view, time time is running out for, for them to make these big impacts. When you look at the goals that our attacking players have scored this season, it, it is pretty abysmal, to be honest with you. Um we haven't got anyone to double figures in the Premier League. You've got, I think it's Mace that's got seven, Jorginho five, Havertz has only got two, ZX got three, Pulisic has got three. Um, yeah, when you look at it like that and you you then look at your Liverpools and you've got Salah that's on 19, Yotta's got 12 and Mane's got 11. I think it kind of says it all. We just haven't. We haven't got those players that are at that world-class level yet, but like we said, the the yeah, the age factor is something you've got to be patient with, and and hopefully, in the next few years, they will be hitting those kind of numbers. But at a club like Chelsea, where we're wanting to be challenging for all four domestic titles and well, all four yeah, all four titles and and going for all the trophies. We need we need more firepower. That yeah, that is the the real issue that is holding us back from challenging for the Premier League again. Yeah, and ultimately as well, these players are young. I also think you know, in, in example, in in Mace's case, this is his third season playing Premier League football. Kai was you know lining up the Bundesliga, etc. And obviously, there needs to be adaption time. But also, in a way, if we kind of just use the age as sort of a, as a shield to play, it is kind of almost like a bit, almost a bit disrespectful and almost a bit sort of condescending towards them as fact that you know. We, we use this as a shield for these players that we rate so highly and think as they are as good mm. as they are. It almost feels a bit, you know, not quite right if we also use that to defend them. So look, mm-hmm. finishing's got to improve. And as I said, that, that Mason Mount chance, that second one in particular, there is no excuses. No excuses for not scoring that chance. As Whatever you think about boy, however strong you love the boy, whatever, no no defending him for missing that one at all. He's simply got to put that to bed. And yeah, it's understandable that this frustration because it came to a head in the final, but an ultimately fit poor finishing cost us and yeah we've got to you know hope that if Rom comes back if we can sort Rom getting this team then hopefully he can leave line because again we saw how brilliantly he took that goal but was disallowed mm-hmm. turned his man that's what we want from our attack to see more of so we just have to see uh Dan Hill asked to what extent do you think our inability to be decisive and attack this season played a role in our lack of chance conversion today in the final uh yes <laughs> I mean it just, it's obvious as I said kind of referring to some switch it's kind of a follow-on from earlier um, what we just answered uh, and he asked is there a second part is if there's one thing you could take from this match to use as motivation 
a player for the rest of the se- season, what would it be? And again, we kind of discussed, you know, using it as motivation for Joe. I think it's fair to say that we played Liverpool three times this season. Yeah. In 90 minutes twice and 120 minutes once, they've not beaten us. No. They've been very tight games. They've been games that both sides could have won. We Both games we went toe-to-toe in. And I guess, I guess that's what we've got to use as motivation because we played City twice this season. They've outclassed us twice. Yeah. I think that's, you know, fair to say, they, both, one nil was pretty kind Definitely. to us both times. But we've played Liverpool three times. And it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a, I feel so sorry for Thomas Tuchel, but he's not won one of them. Because, he, mm. you know, again, he's managed a brilliant game. And, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for, for how well we were on Sunday. But in general, I guess, is that just a positive that, you know, for all the frustration of, you know, we are, is it, I guess, incapable, we, we're not that far. No. It can show we're not that far yeah. from them because we've gone toe-to-toe with Liverpool, who are also one of the best teams in the league, one of, probably one of the best teams here, one of, maybe one of the favourites of Champions League. And with all yeah. the issues we've got, I strongly, again, also know that, you know, Reese didn't start that game. He came on, you know, as his first game back for a while, you know, no Chile, et cetera. We've gone toe-to-toe with with um, this Liverpool side three times and we've been very unlucky not to win any of them. And I guess that's a motivation to move forward now that we've just got to kind of channel that and get it right, that approach right for, for league games against lesser sides where our, where our attitude maybe isn't quite on it. Yeah, certainly you've hit the nail on the head, mate. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> Anna asked, do you think there are any areas in particular that we're lacking or do you think it was just a case of bad luck? Again, going back to earlier, it's a bit of bad luck, but it's also the attack. Like, we can't, again, that's yeah. kind of, you know, we know what it is. The attack is clearly an issue that was, you know, affecting us and hurting us. Um, sec- uh, next question from RJ. What positives did you see from that performance that, that you would like repl- that you would like replicated? And what did you make of both the starting 11 as well as the subs from Tuchel? So positives from that performance, again, we kind of talked about it, but, you know, early bit defensively, Jack, solid, you know, pretty solid. Um, yep. You know, again, I was probably the most we created for a bit, like the, the Lille game and the, these last two games, we've actually created quite a bit, which is quite yep. nice in comparison to, you know, the Palace game, for example. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, those are positives we would like replicated. Um, but what do you kind of make of the starting level as well as the subs? Because it genuinely, you know, I didn't, you know, I was pretty happy about starting 11. Obviously, ZH unfortunately just wasn't fit enough to make it yeah and as for subs literally the only sub I can really be critical I can't even really be critical of it because I think it was a right move it just didn't work was Timo Werner Timo Werner I got the idea I got the plan mm. but Timo Werner unfortunately was just useless on Sunday I don't mean to be mm. harsh on the guy but you know got the ball to him he couldn't obviously you can't hold it up that's fine that's not really his game but in the defensive phase didn't offer anything and then attacking wise the, the lads unfortunately just born like just lives offside but again just the harsh <laughs> reality of it Genuinely, it's it, you know, it was the correct decision, I think, to bring Mount off. Yeah. It's good to bring, you know, and I got the Timo sub. I got the logic. I'm just unfortunately it just didn't work because Timo just genuinely offered nothing when he was on pitch. But credit to him, he scored his penalty. You know, he did yeah. he did his bit of a shootout just but <laughs> and again, that's not me wanting to beat to beat on Timo. It's just reality. But I think out of all the subs, that's probably the only one for Timo. Like even Jorginho coming on, you know, in extra time, that sub worked as well. Because again, he was just, you know, fresh. He was able to get control of the ball, get yeah. us. And again, but he actually mm-hmm. probably moved the ball a bit quicker than I'd seen, you know, in recent weeks as well. So no, I think all the subs I was pretty happy with. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think yeah, Timo, and then obviously at the end of the day, you've got to say Kepper as well because that didn't didn't work in the end. But you get things right, you get things wrong. Like you said, we could see what the uh, intentions were with with the substitution for Werner, but the execution in gameplay did not quite come off to how we'd expected but yeah the rest of the sub support did really well Reese coming back not having played for whatever it was six to eight weeks and 
for him to come straight into a cup final and and play pretty much to the highest standards um, was quality from him. Great to see him back on the pitch. That's a massive asset for us uh, to have back going into the uh, the important part of the season. So great to see him back. Um, yeah, and like you said, well, like we mentioned earlier, Lukaku did well, and yeah, Georgie got on the ball, started dictating the play. So yeah, I thought the subs subs were all right, and and um, yeah, can't really argue with the starting team as well, based off the performances midweeks. Good to see Pulisic starting in that like preferred role rather than playing at wing back, but obviously couldn't quite convert his chance. Um, so yeah, no, overall, I think yeah, happy happy with the team that that started and the subs that we made. Yeah, no, and exactly, as kind of mentioned earlier, that was a really good cup final performance from us. You know, it kind of yeah. sometimes gets lost in the game. Chelsea played really well. And that's probably why yeah. there's perhaps this frustration, but obviously now we're recording a bit later, you know, after the final, some of that pain has subsided. You know, occasionally I will still see those Mount misses play through my head or I'll see them on TikTok and I'll just, you know, want to, want to go cry <laughs> a little bit more. But in general, like, I think it's one of those, but, I was, you know, I was gutted. Out of all the Wembley defeats I've been to and seen, that was the most gutted I've been about a Chelsea game for a while. That was the most painful defeat. But we also played really well. And I think it's, you know, important to acknowledge it. What we played really well, it's probably why there's not that many negatives in general, why we're not being so negative about, you know, you know when we when we ranted about the FA Cup final last year, when we didn't basically turn up till the 75th minute, we were annoyed, we were frustrated. But we couldn't yeah. say that about, you know, Sunday. We were, we were really, really good. Uh, next question comes in from Prasanth. How do we integrate Lukaku into this setup? We looked exactly like last season where we looked great, but ended up eventually missing chances when it mattered. Will Tuchel realise this for upcoming big games? Because, Jack, again, it's a tough one because, you know, Lukaku worked when he came on, but also we looked good without him against Lille and in that that game against Liverpool as well. So it is a tough one to to integrate. But, I mean, I guess, I mean, Burnley at the weekend, it kind of feels like, you know, that might not be a bad, you know, a bad game for him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, bully the... uh... The big boys at the back at Burnley, your Ben Mees, etc. Yeah, I can see him starting at the weekend, to be fair, for sure. Um, but yeah, we have looked good with with Kai up front and more fluid with with him playing through the middle. Um, his movement is very clever, Kai Havertz. So, yeah, yeah, it's a difficult one. At the end of the day, you, you can't have your £97 million man playing off the bench can you so Tuchel will probably be looking to try and try and yeah integrate him and start starting him up top but if Kai's pulling up performances like he has done over the last week then at the end of the day Lukaku will be on the bench so yeah we'll, we'll just have to see with that one yeah no exactly you know we've got you know the beauty of this, this we've still got a lot of games to play we can still sort of achieve you know, a lot with this side. And I think ultimately there'll just be games that suit certain, you know, certain players that suit certain opposition has said, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, that Lille first leg, you know, we looked really good. We looked really good. And I also think, you know, one, it helped, but Lille also probably the most open side I've seen play at Stanford Bridge, you know, for a while. Like they really actually had a go. You know, they were comfortable. Renato Sanchez, you know, looked at very different player to one we saw when he was at Swansea. Um so, you know, I think, you know, also just the game helps. I think in Europe, it'll be interesting to see because said in Europe, our best performances have been without a striker. You know, that Juventus 4-0 win was without without a striker as well. So maybe maybe in the Champions League, unfortunately, Ron might not have as big a role to play. But I certainly think in some of the Premier League games, 
you know, and I see look, who we've got coming up. We've got, you know, the likes of Norwich coming up soon. You know, this this run of relatively kind fixtures in the Premier League kind of feels like a perfect chance for Lukaku to try and get some confidence mm. back because we should still be able to create some of these games. And obviously we're at home in quite a few of these as well. So we should be able to create chances as well. So no, we've just got to, you know, we've got to try and try and work it out. But I say for the big games, it's a tough one because as we've shown, we can win with Rom and we can win without Rom, you know. That's the Club World Cup, you know, we he scored in the final, scored in the semi-final, scored in the final, but then we also subbed him off. And then, you know, we were able to also win that final without him on the pitch, albeit, you know, for a pen. So it's a tough one, it's a tough one. But, you know, something, you know, I guess it's not a bad problem to have, but also we'd like to have, you know, be, it'd be a problem where both Rom and Kai were both firing. Not the fact that neither of them <laughs> have been really consistent. And final question comes in from Kamal. While we cursed at Wembley at late, five losses in six, make it stop. Um, yeah, Jack yeah. Wembley used to be a fortress, man. Used to be our second home, and yeah, <laughs> five losses from six. We've lost yeah, three of wish. the last four FA Cup finals. We've lost, you know, and the two Carabao Cup finals we've been in in recent years as well. Yeah, and it's we're just, struggling. Yeah. Um, why are we cursed, Kamal? Well, VAR again. You yeah. know, if we wanna, we don't. I don't. You know, I've kind of you know not talked Let's about not the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, all I will say at Wembley, they are 2017. Alexis Sanchez was allowed to play basketball with himself to score for Arsenal against us. In 2019, the linesman put his flag up when En Hazard was through and goal when he's meant to wait, you know, to actually let the play play out and see if he put the ball in the back of the net. In the final in 2020, Kovacic was wrongly sent off by Anthony Taylor. In 2021, the FA Cup final against um, Leicester there's a clear handball in the build-up to their goal that wasn't you know that was allowed to stand you know the Super Cup as well in 2020 under Frank I think or yeah 2019 under Frank Adrian is off his line for Tammy's penalty I mean that one is maybe the least egregious of them of all the decisions and then, I mean also we didn't even talk about this I haven't even got to this point Naby Keita like Naby Keita just <laughs> fucking took Trev out but no, yeah. no, the VAR, no, that's fine, mate. You can advantage do that. Liverpool. Cool. Play on, <laughs> exactly, exactly, mate, exactly. Of all the decisions on Sunday, that was probably one of the most baffling. So look, again, you don't want to kind of make it about you know a campaign against no. Chelsea or Vela, but I think it's fair to say we have been done over Trash. by VAR, and so, and VAR has also got some some big decisions wrong against us. Yeah. You know, so uh, unfortunately that is it. And as said because I think in a lot of those cup finals, I mean, look. Some of the Arsenal Cup finals, I don't think we played amazing in, but we still, you know, even that Arsenal, when we lost to Frank Pulisic, got injured, as got injured, we had injuries, players mm-hmm. go down with injuries. We have just had, for whatever reason, just a bit of bad luck. And I don't know what we saw it, but thankfully, we do all right in other finals, you know, see Porto, yeah. see Belfast, see, see Abu Dhabi, etc. So, yeah, I don't know why we're cursed, but it but it is what it is. But um, hopefully that will change because, as I said, my Wembley record is now, is getting worse. It's it's one win, three losses <laughs> in my final record at Wembley. So uh, I'd like to see us win at Wembley again at some point. And say that was the first final that, for many of Chelsea fans, have been at since the Carabao Cup final in 2019 against Manchester City. Obviously, some fans would have been at the Leicester game last year, but not not a full, mm. full amount. So, no, it would be nice to go back to winning at Wembley again because, say, Sunday, Joe, we'll just talk briefly. It was a good day out on it, wasn't it? Sunday, you know, we, yeah, it was a nice day out, you know, with, you know, different friendship groups, different mates, you know, had a good day, good day out. And it's just unfortunate, but football can bring it home. But, you know, we played, um, we played really, really well. Um, and look, obviously, before we go, uh, since we last spoke, you know, a lot has also just gone on in the world in general, uh, some pretty, some pretty bleak stuff. And obviously, we know how some of that does sort of tie back to to Chelsea, i.e. Roman with his links to to Putin. But look, there's a lot of stuff. Talk about it. You know, the ownership, there's stuff, story breaking out, gave it Roman might be looking, you know, would be, you know, listen to offers type thing. 
we're kind of not going to go into that on the pod purely just because you know it's we don't know like enough information about it you know it's also with what's going on going on in you know ukraine so it doesn't really feel you know necessary to kind of really start thinking how this affects us at chelsea um you know we don't know really the de- all the details of how roman roman's supposed links or whatever and we don't know all the details about you know potentially having to you know the implications he will face etc so we're not going to go into you know what's how this affects Roman, the ownership, the future of Chelsea, etc. We're just going to kind of wait and see a play, and I think that's best doing it. If you want to read, you can find articles by you know, you know, reputable journalists, etc. Online, you can find all, all the links around. And the main thing is, you know, obviously we just hope that the situation in Ukraine can be resolved peacefully. Because I say, I think that's the bigger priority for people right now. Is trying to resolve that situation before we start worrying about you know Chelsea and, and football ownerships and you know their moral compasses, etc. So yeah, so that's what we'll leave it there and said. Sorry if people want to talk about us, but we're just going to wait and it doesn't feel right. And we, you know, not knowledgeable enough to, to talk about the situation really going on, how it affects Chelsea, et cetera. So we're just going to leave it there. But say it was, you know, a disappointing, a disappointing result on Sunday. But again, proud of the boys. They put in a, put in a shift and unfortunately it's just not our day. And look, credit to Thomas Tuchel. He's taken us to, to five finals in just over a year. He's won three of them. You know, that's not a bad, bad very Obviously we'd like it to be more, but also, you know, it's got to accept that we've had some bad luck in them. We also, you know, there's no shame in losing to that Liverpool side. It's painful. You know, hearing you never walk alone, Blair out of the tannoy at, at full time, you know, after they won was was painful. But it, it's just one of those days and that this group will be, you know, be back strong again. Thomas Tuchel has taken this club to to probably the best place I can imagine it being in a long time. So, you know, life is good. Now we've just got to get back on horse. Luton in the FA Cup Wednesday, a chance to, you know, get back on it, get back on that road to Wembley, etc. And then, you know, potentially turn Premier League, getting securing top four comfortably. And also, you know, then... Looking ahead to Europe. So, yeah, that's what it's going to wrap up for this week on Matchups Podcast. Sorry again, you know, podcast players said we just had to, especially back, you know, said we could genuinely like, be at this basically the earliest we record, could record because obviously Sunday was obviously just an absolute no go. And then yesterday wasn't possible either. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. And obviously, you know, you're hearing this Wednesday morning, afternoon, whenever I, I put this out, but before the looting game. So, yeah, and just thanks again. And thanks to everyone. For our listening questions, thanks to Jack for coming on. It has been a while, but it was nice to have you on, mate, to talk about football, even if it was a bad loss, but still a lot of positives to take from that. Um, as for us, we're on Instagram at that Chelsea pod, on Twitter at that Chelsea pod, on TikTok at that Chelsea pod. Going to try and post <laughs> some more content on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok, uh, drop us a follow out, maybe try and post for your pop, pop clip there as well as some other different style content that you won't obviously hear on the pod or, or probably on Twitter. So go follow there on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, uh, etc leave us a rating review that's greatly appreciated it does go a long way uh, and basically yeah tell your mates about play it to anyone fun- with a functioning pair of ears just get them to listen please and yeah until the next episode everybody keep blue flag flying high sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.